Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio number 274, the unchaperoned edition, featuring me, Jason Linden, and everybody's favorite, Bill Lack, and not everybody's least favorite, Chadwick Ulysses Dotson the Seventh. Yeah, we've, we've got Chad locked in a closet, and we're not going to let him out until somebody pays the ransom. Right, and the ransom is is really just French fries, but nobody's been willing to pony up yet. Yeah, he's going to be in the closet for a long time. Yeah, no, nobody wants him around. It's better without Chad. <laughs> well, he talks funny. He does. He talks very funny. He has such a, such a horrible accent. Oh, so what do you want to start with, Jason? You want to start today with some viewer mail? or, or you Let's know. start today with some listener mail, especially yeah. now that Dad's not here. Yeah, that's right. Listener mail, okay. as is appropriate linguistically. Okay, let's start with this one from Ben Johnson at, at uh, Starbucks Manager 3, because I, I like this question. All right, let's hear it. What are your top three baseball movies of all time? Top three baseball movies of all time. This is, you want to take the first crack at this, Bill? This is a pretty easy one for me, but I'll let you have first crack. Well, and, uh, it's not a great movie, but I love it. Uh, Major League's my favorite. Major League is on my list, though not my favorite. Uh, Bull Durham would probably be my second. And, and I think my third one would probably, and, and to me, Bull Durham, the baseball stuff is great. It's just the, the romantic Susan Sarandon stuff that kind of loses me. You know, when he gets cut at the end of that movie, I, I turn it off. Um, League of Their Own is probably my third, but the the uh, the other two for me that are in the running are Eight Men Out and the original Bad News Bears. My uh, my top three is not dissimilar to yours, but it does feature one that you mentioned. My favorite is uh, is Bull Durham, no question. I think that movie's pretty pretty perfect beginning to end. Um, I would put Major League probably at number three. And number two, I would put uh, Sugar, which is more contemporary than the others, but I think it did a great job with uh, the sort of uh, what happens with a lot of, a lot of kids who kind of come over from, uh, from Latin America and, and end up thrust into these towns that aren't necessarily very familiar to them. And, and, and I don't, that's, just, that's just a fascinating movie. I've never seen that one, but I think, it, I think it was on Netflix or something for a while, and I meant to watch it, and I think I missed it. Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's, it's, worth, it's worth taking a look at. I have to do that. It's interest, I think it's interesting that Field of Dreams isn't on your list or my list. You know, I really liked Field of Dreams when I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13 or 14, and it just it doesn't age that well, and I don't think it really holds up to repeated viewings. I've got a soft spot for it for sure, but yeah, it's not it's not as good as as I wish it was. See, with me, it, I think with me it was I didn't see it when it first came out. I may not even have seen it in the theaters. Pardon me, uh, but everybody told me how great it was, and then when I saw it, there was no way it could live up to the hype that everybody gave it. So yeah. you know, so that made it really difficult for me, and and it's not it, it's I, it's not even one of those I can blow right by that if I'm if it's on TV. And I'm clicking around. I can blow right by that one, no problem. Major yeah. League, Bull Durham, League of Their Own, any of these other ones. I have to stop and watch for a few minutes. Yeah, I would. I would tend to agree with that. So, uh, do you have a least favorite? Least favorite. 
You know, usually with the really bad ones, you can kind of see them coming from a mile away. So, you know, you just don't watch them. You're like one of the major league sequels. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, God, there was one that came out. What's the, like, the last time Kevin Costner did a baseball movie? Oh, and it was, like, threw, it was like, I don't need to see that. I know that's bad. The one he threw the, the, one he threw the perfect game? Yeah, something like that, yeah. You know, I don't hate that as much as a lot of people hate it. I think the love story stuff is pretty st- stupid, but I, I love the, the, the story of him and his teammates, you know, and, and, and the game itself. I don't. I, I like that movie more than most people do, and I, and I can't even think of the name of it right now as we're talking. You know, For the love of the game. Is that, is that Bill Lack uh, is, it has an unromantic heart. That's what we're learning here. Um, I got Well, see... If I hadn't had an angiogram about two months ago, you could have said I didn't have a heart at all. But they did. I actually have pictures. So, well, there we go. <laughs> so we have evidence of heart. But yes, it's there is. There is a heart there. Yes. Okay. Let's let's do a, a question from from uh, Matt Shirey. All right. It's a two-parter. Two parts. He said, "Do you think that Wood will ever pitch for the Reds after another setback?" Uh, I, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. He would be a, an interesting sort of like mid-August acquisition. It, it's, you know, it's back problems. And my understanding of back problems is that they're a problem until they're not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I can testify to that also as a as a middle-aged man. Yeah. As, as somebody that's gone to a chiropractor for his back for 25 years, I can tell you when it's bad, it's bad. But what's what's odd to me is they keep saying it's fine. And they keep saying that there's no structural problems, and then there's another problem. So that tells me either they're not diagnosing correctly, or the Reds' training staff isn't doing what they should be doing. Now, the Reds' medical staff making a mistake, that can't ever happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, every <laughs> medical staff makes mistakes from time to time, but the Reds certainly have a reputation of misdiagnosing injuries, I think especially when it comes to pitchers. So yeah, I don't know. We will see, but uh, we'll. I don't. I, I can't answer. I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, here's the uh, second part of the question. Pitch a little bit. How about that? I think he'll probably pitch a little bit, but I don't know how much. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think that he'll he'll throw some innings before the season's over. But I. I it, the interesting thing is, is is Chad talked about it. And I think it was in his uh, Cincinnati Magazine article last week or the week. He thinks they should extend Wood. And I, I, I wonder if he still thinks they should extend Wood. You know, if we're just talking about back issues, I would tend to agree with that. Like, the injuries tend to kind of crop up with pitchers, and I don't tend to worry about them because I know it's just part of the game, unless it's elbow or shoulder. If it's elbow or shoulder, I'm staying away from that guy. You know, anything on the arm, that, that scares me. But other stuff, like, you know, obliques and all of this other stuff, you know, you got to eventually that stuff is going to iron itself out. And if you've got a guy who's maybe going to be uh, a bargain because he's dealt with some of that, then I think I think there's a reasonable case to be made to, to try to sign that guy because you never know. Anybody on the staff could, could have sort of minor injury issues at any point. That's just how pitchers are. Yeah, and and his price has to be dropping by the day. Yeah, I would I would assume so. It's like, a, it's like a penny stock, you know? For a couple of years. 
I don't know why why he would even want to try to explore the free agent market um, unless it was a one year let me rebuild my value contract in which case he might as well do that with the Reds as well as anybody else. Yeah, because they're you know they're sure going to have a lot of money to spend that off se- in the offseason, and that's another question that, that we that's addressed here. But the second part of this question from Matt is, do you believe in ghosts? I don't believe in ghosts, and I can tell you why very specifically. Okay. It's, uh, I'm paraphrasing something I saw a few years ago that, that articulated it perfectly. But it's basically, you know, once upon a time, there were all of these things that everybody's like, oh, if we could only get a picture of that, it would be great. And now we all walk around with cameras in our pockets all the time. And we have pictures of everything. We have pictures of triple rainbows and tornadoes and everything you, and weird random animals. But you know what we don't have any pictures of? Ghosts. Do you know why? Because ghosts aren't real. So you ain't afraid of no ghost. I am not afraid of any <laughs> ghost whatsoever because I am not afraid of imaginary things. Uh, so moving on, it says oh, Bill, that you just on the "Do you believe in ghosts?" question. Oh, uh, I, I don't believe in ghosts per se. I don't know that there's not something some spirituality that's bigger than we are. Sure, okay, fine. But 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 you don't believe in ghosts per se. You don't think you're being haunted by something. Um just my past. Just your past and bump <laughs> on the closet wall from Chad there. Yeah. Um moving on to a, a question from from Joseph Prince. It was recently reported the Reds would maintain current spending levels next year. And that's a lot of money coming off the books and what appears to be an in what appears to be an uninspired twenty twenty free agent class. Any clues as where the money will be going? Um, uh, I don't know, Bob's pocket. <laughs> yeah. there, there there's no doubt they're gonna have a lot of money to spend. Yeah. Um there, there there's nobody on this free agent class. It's it's one of the reasons I uh and I'm not alone in this. I'm a pretty big proponent of trying to extend some guys that they have, especially Puig. Um, you know, I think the Reds basically need a middle infielder or an outfielder for next year, like one or the other, at a bare minimum. And there's not going to be anybody on the market who's better than Puig who's going to provide more value or is likely to provide more value at either of those places. So I don't understand why you don't just go with Puig. Like, I, I feel like that, a lot, that is kind of where the money should go. Um, it, we could talk about trying to extend Castillo. I think we're going to get to Castillo here in a little bit. And, you know, maybe go ahead and do a long-term thing with Senzel. I don't know. Um, but there just there aren't that many places to put it right now. And if and if you're determined to win, I think it's you know making sure that you retain the uh, the good assets that you have. I think a lot of teams are hanging on to their big pieces now and it's getting harder and harder to get anything anybody really on the free agent market yeah the free agent market sure seems like it's 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 turned 180 degrees in the last two couple of years and 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 i think the key and i think you're kind of you know pointing at this is guys may be looking to be to be talked into extending rather than testing the market because, yeah. because the market is so unstable you know it's been for the last two years and and you're talking about puig and I wonder, though, 
you know, and, and Chad, I, I've, I've, we've talked, I've talked with Chad, and I know you've talked with Chad about about the, uh, the the possibility of them extending him. I wonder now, as he's starting to heat up, whether that becomes a, a more or less likely a possibility. Well, I think more fans will be calling for it. I think that's for sure. Yeah, the, the question, and Chad has said all along that he doesn't think Puig would. He thinks Puig wants to test the waters. He probably does, but that doesn't mean that the Reds shouldn't beat everybody else's offer. Right. Oh, you know, and you would hope, you know, that some of the, you know, that maybe he'd, he'd take it as a sign of, of, you know, some assuredness or some, some concrete dollars in his pocket. If you if you do it now, you don't know what, you know, if they they offer him a big deal now, he gets into free agency and all of a sudden, you know, nobody's offering him anything. He may not make as much money in free agency as he would have if he'd taken a deal with the Reds now. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I, I sure hope that. And again, I just—it's not that I, there's just nobody else on the market. I, you know, everybody's like, "Well, they can get somebody on the free agency market," and I'm like, "Who? There's there's nobody. I mean, everybody you would want to think about, hitter, pitcher, whatever, has been locked up to a long-term deal. Nobody's hitting the market." And, 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 and yeah, I, and I'll be honest, I haven't really looked at a 2020 free agent list. Um, but there's guys that are, that are on one year deals here that I would not mind keeping around. And I, that doesn't mean that we don't want them to improve the team, but I think Puig, I'd like to keep around. I'd like to keep Iglesias around another year. Uh, I, um, I think, I think, th- I think there's argument for that. I also, you know, what it comes down to me is if we're talking about the Reds, probably wanting one more bat for next year, which I, I think is reasonable. I don't think there is anybody on the free agent market who is likely to provide more value uh, than Taylor Trammell. Now, I realize there's some questions. Can he do center field or not? And I would just say that Shin Su Chu did center field for a year in Great American Ballpark. That's always my <laughs> argument. Uh, and I can't believe Taylor Trammell wouldn't be significantly better than that. So you could have that, move Senzel over to second base. And then figure out who's playing shortstop. Yep, my argument with with the, with all the Trammell talk is I don't think the Reds are going to have him up here next year. I think he'll be up next year, but I don't think it'll be till around midseason. But we'll see. I mean, he's. I mean, to see, we're about to hit the the All Star break, um, and I'm interested to see if he gets a promotion to Louisville after the All Star break. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, if he stay, if he spends the whole year at Double A, he will not be up here before late next year at, at the earliest. I, yeah, I agree. If he spends the whole year at Double A. And he's slated for Louisville all year next year, which seemingly would make it even more important to extend Puig, at least if you're trying to compete next year, because then you don't have somebody coming from the minors to fill that hole. And, you know, I know that there are a lot of people who are high on uh, Aristides uh, Aquino, who's been um, really tearing it up in Louisville lately. And, I mean, maybe there's something there, but, I, you know, I don't know that he is what everybody wants him to be. Uh, and, you know, I've kind of talked to some people down here in Louisville a bit, and, and the sense I've gotten is that they still feel like there's a little bit, you know, he has a little bit of a tendency to chase bad pitches too much, and that's the kind of thing that you can sometimes get away with in the minors and then gets exposed badly in the majors. Do, do you think the Reds have kind of given up on the idea of Irvin as a starter at any point? Yeah, I don't know that Irvin, you know, I think Irvin had kind of a point where it was a matter of, is he going to be a starter or a fourth outfielder? He was always kind of a marginal guy in that way. 
Um, and I think between some injuries and just kind of a failure to to develop all the way, it just it just ended up not happening. I think Irvin's a really good fourth outfielder um, who certainly can spell you at times. He's kind of like Scott Shepard. He's not, you know, he can start, but he's not your ideal for a starter. And I, and I suppose it's also possible that the Reds could patch some stuff together until Trammell is ready. But then again, I don't know why you would want to patch something together if you've got somebody like Puig. Uh, who you can potentially extend. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing we haven't talked about. A trade is always a possibility. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, I don't know. We would just, we'd have to see, because the Reds will be trading for big league ready talent, and they have to empty the farm system pretty well to do that at this point. If you want controllable big league talent. Yep. Um, Then the other option would be to go the route of guys who are, nearing or at the end of who are nearing free agency that that bad teams are looking to get rid of and not extend and you know you just don't know who that's going to be until the end of the season frankly unless or or they do another salary dump type of pickup like they did this year with 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 the trade with the Dodgers and you know where they picked up guys in their their walk year yeah yeah that's what I'm, I'm sure that some of that some of those guys will be available but I'm not entirely certain who well, since we since we mentioned trades, let, let's talk. Let's take on the let's talk about a question of, about trades. Um, Rachel Rachel Moran Rachel Moran or Morin at, at Rachel R E Q M O one one O asked. It's been mentioned by various outlets that the Reds team is pretty close with one another. Should the Reds make any trades, and how much does the front office factor in fit and team dynamic when making trades? My answer would be, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've said on the Twitter machine that this is a very, very likable team. Probably, for me, the most likable team since maybe 1999. Um, everybody does seem to get along really well. Um, there are a lot of good personalities in the clubhouse. They're enjoyable to watch, you know, even if they've had some, some rough runs. Um, but, I mean, you know, you're always looking to get better. I don't know. For me, it's a question of what are they getting back in the return if they're going to make a trade. Um, if their intent is to continue, you know, ascendancy and, and continue the path to, to really competing and being a, rel- a relevant team, then I don't think you, you really are looking to trade any of your good control- controllable players. You might look to trade somebody like you know, like maybe Roark is probably or the best. You know, Roark or Puig, I think, are really the only ones who I could see. You know, but even that's they're not going to bring back any real value. You know, that's that's one of the other things we've learned in the last few years is that rentals aren't aren't bringing that much. And I I don't know who who they trade is the thing is to get something back of value you got to give something up and they're not trading any of those assets. Assets. I think it would be more likely that they would trade prospects, frankly, for more controllable major league talent, even with an eye toward next year, than it would be that they would trade uh, talent already on the roster for prospects. Yeah, I think like even if they packaged Roark and Puig together and traded them, I don't think they'd bring back a different, you know, somebody that would be a difference maker in 2020. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you keep talking about that. You said the team is very likable, and I completely agree with you. And I think they're fun to watch, but boy, this team's frustrating. Very. 
<laughs> you like you think they turn the corner and then oh no wait four game losing streak. Where they just do some of the some things that are just almost unexplainable for major league play, baseball players. You know, the, the the first game against the Angels was one of the worst played games I've ever seen in my life. You know. Yeah. And I, you know, and teams have that. Like that happens from time to time. But yeah, that was ugly. And and, and the thing, and I've said this on Twitter, and, and and it's you know, I guess it's a get off my lawn moment. But the leaving a guy on third base and grounding out to the infield again and again and again, and they seem to me like they do it a lot rather than getting elevating that ball and getting that run in. And and it that frustrates me to no end. Yeah, I, where I am on that kind of stuff is that I, I tend to just think that, like, one, I think there's some confirmation bias there, which is that we don't notice it except for when it happens. We don't notice when it doesn't happen. But also, I think that baseball's just real hard. <laughs> I think sometimes if you've got a really good pitcher, you know, yeah. a major league pitcher trying to get you to not hit the ball in the air, hitting the ball in the air is probably a lot harder than, than we might think it is. I, I, I'd be curious to know if sacrifice spice flies are up or down, and, and I have no I idea. Sacrifice flies are down just because everything that goes in the air seems to land in the stands. Well, yeah, I bet you. Yeah, that is true. All right, let's see where are we here. <laughs> okay, from this was from Hooper Powell, and he just celebrated his 49th birthday this week, and was planning a trip to Area 51 in California for the Big 50. And he, this question must have been to, for you and Chad, I guess. Because it's a, say, got a 50. Chad's not even here, and somehow we're plugging his book. I know it. Huh. He did. Has he written a book? Huh? Has he written a book? I haven't. I haven't heard about it in the last ten yeah, minutes. So he goes on and on and on about it. I, you know. And you know what? I heard Chris Garber really wrote the whole thing. Probably true. He, he 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 put Chad's name on it because you know he thought no, it, it would sell in West, it would sell in Virginia that way. Please, Chad at all. He just put <laughs> his his name to it. Yeah, he put his name on it so he could hit, hit the southern market. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, but and then the question goes on. Besides Bill Lack, who would you want to go on a trip with to Area Fifty One? That's the first part of the question. So, since you don't believe in ghosts, do you believe in aliens? Um, I mean, my official stance on that is that alien, the universe is a big place and there's other life out there somewhere probably, but I doubt very much that it's come here. Or that it's in Area 51. Or that it's in Area 51. <laughs> I think Area 51 is just military, you know, research. Yep. Um, um, yeah. So the, the second part of the question is, on a baseball note, are you a fan of more or less games played against Central Division foes? Um, I like the unbalanced schedule as it currently is, but only, and this is important, only if they finally add two more teams and do four four-team divisions in each league so that you can have an unbalanced schedule but also have it not affect things like the wild card where, you know, teams in the Central are kind of getting screwed this, this season because the Central is such a strong division. And they have to play each other all the time, which makes it almost impossible. You know what I'm saying? Yep, I know what you're saying. Division with two teams, and we're going to have a question that kind of kind of hits on that here in a minute. But my my problem, there's a couple of things. I don't like the fact, and again, I'm showing my age here. 
I, for one thing, I hate interleague baseball. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. If I was commissioner, that would be the that and the DH would be the first things that would go out the door in the shit can. And you know, and and I like playing a lot of games in your division, but I hate the fact that we only see the Dodgers twice a year. I you know, I, I think that, you know they only see the Mets once twice a year, the Phillies twice a year. I miss when we used to see those teams more. Yeah, I go either way with it. I think I think I do enjoy the sort of like rivalry aspect that I feel like builds up really well when you see a team a whole bunch. Yep. Um, but yeah, I I don't I, I don't have a strong opinion about this, but I'm perfectly happy with the unbalanced schedule as long as there's no wild card. I think if there's a wild card, then a balanced schedule is more equitable. Yep. And that moves on to to as you were talking about how difficult the division is. This is from Pete Will. Pardon me. From Pete Wills at Petro's Wheels. He said, if the Reds were in the AL West, the AL Central, the NL West, or maybe even the NL East, I think they would easily be in second place. Do you agree? If so, what should the Reds' true power ranking be based on how tough the division is? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Um, I think the Reds are, are better than a lot of teams and a lot of divisions. Um, you know, just based on, on sort of my understanding of how the numbers work, their baseball reference at least has them as a better team in terms of scoring and allowing runs than everyone in the NL East, including the Braves, who have, uh, you know, the second best record in the NL. Yeah, they're playing um, almost 600 baseball. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we know that they've had some, some rough luck. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think the Reds, I will continue to say this, are much better than they've shown. And, and I mean, they, goodness, if they just won, what, three out of the last four instead of dropping four in a row, then they would – it's so frustrating. Yeah, I know. And, and, we've, and, and, you, and, and you and Chad and Chad and I and, 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 and the other day it was Doug and Chad – I mean, it was uh, yeah, Doug and Chad have been saying this all year. This team is better than they played. Yeah, you know, when they win, they look really good, and 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 then they lose a lot of close games, and then you have games like the other night where they do, that are just a mess. But like you said, those happen to every team. Yeah, but you know, the the the, 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 the they've lost so many close games that you know that if, if you know a break here or there. And I think they're six, you know, I don't think it's unrealistic to, to say that they could, with a couple of breaks, they could be at 42 and 36 rather than 36 and 42. I completely agree. And, it, you know, it's still, it would not surprise me one bit if they ran off a 10-game winning streak. you got nine games to go before the All-Star break. I would not be surprised if they won all of them, especially because, except for these three games coming up against the Cubs, uh, it's Milwaukee and Cleveland who I think are pretty, or both kind of have played over their heads a little bit. Yeah, the, the only thing, I mean, Milwaukee's so good offensively. That That's the only thing, you know, but our pitching has been very good. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, it's it's our strength against their strength there. And, and, and Cleveland, the Reds the red should be able to take care of the, of, of the Indians. Isn't that amazing how quickly the Indians have fallen? Well, I know I didn't understand what the Indians did all winter anyway. I couldn't figure no, out what their thinking was. They decided actually we're not going to try to compete. Yeah, and yeah, 
it almost, I mean, and I, you assume, I, and I didn't look at all the numbers and everything. I assume it was a salary dump. Yeah, but, it was, it seemed to be payroll, but like, come on. Yeah, but at least, you know, you, you at least try to get something. Now, you know, maybe their farm system is loaded at this point. I honestly don't know. And, and maybe they're going to compete next year or the year after. But by that point, you know, their pitching staff is going to get older. And, and, and that's right now what was, you know, what was able to carry them. Yeah. They had the makings of an excellent window, and then they just seemed to just decide to punt on the last few years of it. Yeah, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So that's it for viewer, listener, mail, email. But we, we appreciate everybody that sent in their questions today. Those were fun. Yeah, uh, well, we do have a couple of, of questions still on, on Twitter here that we can hit. And there's oh, okay. one we should make a point to talk about, which is that um, – the basically somebody in the Yankees organization oh. leaked that uh, the Yankees are focusing on trying to uh, acquire Luis Castillo, um, to which all Reds fans just laughed, and all Yankees fans seem to think that a couple of C minus prospects uh, and an outfielder would be enough. What do you think, Bill? How hard would it be to pry Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds? Well, I am of the belief that nobody is untouchable. But. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take more than Clint Frazier and, you know, and, and the water boy for the triple, their triple-A team. If it's, if it's me, uh, it's, conversation starts with Torres. Yeah. You I, want Castillo, then, then you better be ready to part with Claybar Torres. And, 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 and Frazier and probably someone else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like get real Yankees, and of course Yankees fans would hear that and, and be apoplectic, like they they would lose their minds. Yeah. Um, well, but that, that's because Yankee fans think every team they they still think it's the early 1960s where they just you know would call the Kansas City A's and say I want this guy, and they go okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the other interesting question that I think is, is worth talking about, and this kind of traces back to the notion of trades, is is it should the Reds think about trading Iglesias, as in Rysel uh, Iglesias? But, but before we get on to that, I'm, I'm, can we talk about, I'm going to talk about Castillo a little bit more for a minute. Right, talk about Castillo a little bit. There's been a lot of talk after his last two outings that, that for him to take the next step, or, or, or well, that... I mean, all year long, we've been talking about how good he's been. And he's been very, very good. Yeah. But the last two, he struggled with control for, dramatically the last two times out. And, and it's almost like everybody jumped off the bandwagon. I'm still on the bandwagon. Are you still on the bandwagon? Oh, the Castillo bandwagon, for sure. <laughs> like, I, mean, I, don't, I, don't people, think, I don't think anybody's going to argue that he needs to get his walks down. Yeah, I wrote a whole post and, and about for Red Leg Nation, basically about this very topic, but I focus on hitters instead of pitchers, which is that way too many people see, like, a couple of bad games or a couple of bad weeks for a hitter or whatever, and they're like, oh, well, he's not as good as... It's like, do you are, do you even understand how baseball works? Sample size. Yeah, Castillo has had a few shaky starts. So what? Like, that's, that's life. That's everybody has shaky... Like, a couple of shaky starts now and again, or a couple of bad weeks. Look at somebody's career. Look at their overall numbers. That's what you worry about. Luis Castillo. Uh, at 26 years of age. 
26 years of age with still three more years of team control left after this. I mean, he is, and a team that's reportedly trying to compete, has got to be one of the least touchable players in the major leagues right now. And, and I, again, that doesn't mean that you don't trade him if you get the right offer, but boy, is the price awfully high. Well, you know, this is a guy that's only thrown 350 innings in the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, that was a year and a quarter for a pitcher. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's not <laughs> the universe we live in anymore, though. That's right. But, you know, and, and this guy did not spend a whole lot of time in the minor leagues. I mean, he, you know, he, saw, he started playing at 19 in 2012. Yeah. And... and the last three years, he's been in the big leagues, and he, you know, so he's still he's got sixty-two starts in the big leagues. That's that's yep. not a whole lot of starts. I mean, that's really two full seasons. Right, he's got two full seasons, and he's been worth by Fangraphs at least almost six wins above replacement, which is that's that's good. Yeah, yeah, nobody's letting that go. Oh. People, people who are jumping off the Castillo bandwagon need, need to calm down. Just. Everybody, everybody just relax. It's going to be fine. It's just like, it's like all of the stuff with like when people were like, oh, Puig's terrible. Oh, Votto's terrible now. And then it's like, well, and then they come around and it's like, yeah, you know, they actually weren't terrible. Players just have ups and downs because, you know, they're human. And that's well, just how it goes. Well, plus the fact that in Castillo's case, as Chad and I have said for a million years, is young players struggle at times. Yeah. You know, they're going to be more up and down than anybody is. Yeah, though, players kind of hit a span from, what, about 28 to 32 where they feel pretty reliable. But outside of that, it's you don't know. You don't know what you're going to see from them, and you got to just be patient with things. And, and yeah, I don't know. People are ridiculous. That's that's my thesis about everything. I do want to give Fangraphs a, a, a shout-out, though, because they added something to their pay, their player pages. I don't know if it was today or what, but they added the minor league options for every player on the, on the individual player's Fangraphs page, and I think that's an oh. outstanding addition. That's really nice uh, information please. to be able to pull Cause, out. Because how many times have, are you like trying to figure out something baseball-wise, and you're like, Wait, was this year an option? Was that year an option? Can they send this guy down? Like, yeah, yeah. It's just a it's just a really nice addition. Thumbs up to Fangraphs for that. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that either. I'm looking at it right now as as we talk, and and that is in, incredibly incredibly useful. Yep. Anyway, go go on to your. I'm sorry, I, I kind of sidetracked. Oh, Iglesias is who we were talking about. Yeah, uh, Raisel Iglesias, and and here is my stance, and this will forever and always, under all circumstances, be my stance on relief pitching. If you can get something of value for it, you trade it, because relief pitchers are unpredictable, and you never know what they're going to do from one year to the next. I don't care how good they've been for the last few years. If somebody wants your closer, and they want to give you a starting pitcher or a starting position player for them, you make that deal, and you make it right now. Yep. I, I, I agree with I, I agree with you. There's nobody you know the price for anybody in the bullpen is 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 doable. Um, yeah, and and and, I, and I'll admit that, that my frustration level with, with Rossiello is, is as high as it's ever been. 
Um, uh, last night he didn't talk to the media after the game. That'll help him a lot. Um, yeah. You know, he's got the highest whip on the team. He's he's career highs in in almost every category. He, he, you know, and, and now his ERA is up to almost almost four. And when you're in the bullpen and your ERA is almost four, you're not getting it done. Yeah. But you know, the, the more he struggles, the lower his value. So you know, there you go. So yeah, we'll see. I would be perfect. You know, I just you never know from one year to the next, and and you've always got somebody probably in the minor leagues who could be a shutdown reliever for a few seasons. It's just, yeah. I mean, I would trade Iglesias if somebody offered something of value for him. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how much organizations are are doing that with relief pitching anymore. I feel like. Uh, relief pitching is, is starting to be viewed as, as somewhat, I think, to some extent less valuable as it should be because, you know, my whole argument, I'm a controversial, no relief pitcher should be in the Hall of Fame person, is, you know, the thing for me is that I feel like almost every number three or four starter in the major leagues could be a shutdown reliever, and you don't put three and four starters in the Hall of Fame. Interesting point. The, 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 the thing, though, is now is the way baseball is changing where we're getting less innings out of our starters. The guys in the bullpen are going to become more valuable. Will they become more valuable or will they become more recyclable? Or both. Yeah. Because relief pitching, I think, you know, I think one of the things about relief pitching, it's weird to me that so much emphasis is placed on like starting pitchers and guarding against injury and all of that stuff. When relief pitchers, at least as far as I can tell, get hurt and become ineffective much more quickly than starting pitchers tend to. And it just seems to kind of come with the territory. And I feel like, you know, I, I don't know how much longer baseball can keep this up without figuring out a different way to approach pitcher usage. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, think, I think different pitchers can hold up to different things, but, but there's an upper limit to how often a guy can be in a game situation and, and be effective over a, over a span of, a, of several years. Without You may know this, cause, but I didn't know this. I just saw it because I was just looking. Without looking, do you know who, the, who has the lowest whip on the Reds pitching staff? Uh, if I'm just guessing here, I, I would guess Amir, but I don't know. Jared Hughes. Okay. Hughes would have been one of my top few guesses. <laughs> .94. Yeah. And but Stevenson is second. Relief pitcher stats don't mean anything. <laughs> like, you know, you just because look at guys from, from, from one year to the next. I just, I don't know. I don't well, believe they, in They don't mean anything if they're really good. If they're really bad, that means something. If they're really bad, it only means something if you look and, and see that they're consistently bad. Because, you know, there have been plenty of relief pitchers who've had uh, whole season stat lines ruined by – a couple of really bad appearances. Oh, yeah. Right. Week in June when they gave up eight runs in two-thirds of an inning. Um, you know, there, there's that kind of stuff that yeah, happens, you, you, too. A couple, a couple bad games could really blow your stat line, and, and stat line up. In fact, I think, and I'll quote Ball 4, I think Jim Bouton said something about they came in and played either the Twins or the Orioles or something, said these guys can really do damage to your ERA, you know. So, moving. Are you still there? I'm still here. Okay, yes. it got quiet. Um, yeah, 
waiting for you, and I think you were waiting for me, and I was like, is Bill still there? But all so, right, continue. Onward. So, so we were gonna we were gonna talk a little bit about the scooter conundrum. Yeah, the scooter conundrum. He's due I back. Have an unpopular opinion here. He's he's due back on Friday. Yeah. Um, is it Friday? Yeah, Friday. Yeah. Uh, do you have any doubt that he will be starting five days a week? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. If it if it was last year, no. This year, I'm not sure. And you know, my whole thing with Scooter Jeanette is this, and I know I get killed on on the internet for for my Scooter Jeanette opinions, but it's really simple, frankly, at this point. Do you plan to continue to have Scooter Jeanette on this team next year? If the answer is yes, go ahead and sign that contract and play him. If the answer is no, you got three other options. Play those guys. He has done I mean, everything you can ask out of a guy since he came to the Reds. Would you agree yeah, with that? I, he for sure has, but in terms of practical value to the team, I mean, do I believe that he's going to be a better hitter than Derek Dietrich? No, not really. I think he's going to be the same hitter as Derek Dietrich. Do I believe that he's more likely to be a long-term part of this team than Jose Peraza? No, I don't. Um, and he sure can't play shortstop over Jose Iglesias. I, like, you know, really, it's a question of who are you giving those plate appearances to? And if you're trying to compete this year, it's a wash between Jeanette and Dietrich as far as I'm concerned. And if you're, tr- if you're looking into next year, then... It's a question of Peraza versus Dietrich, unless you're planning to extend Jeanette, in which case, go ahead and do that. If they were going to extend Jeanette, I think they'd have done it by now. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. They're not going to extend him. If they wanted to extend him, that would have been done. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's basically been begging for an extension for over a year now. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he's not going to have any trade value, let's be honest. I mean, there's, there's no trade value there whatsoever. If there, yeah, there, there was very little trade value last year at the All Star break. One would assume because he was still here, yeah. Or in the off season, and when you haven't played the whole first half, it sure doesn't raise your value. Yeah, I mean, just look at the timeline. We've got a month basically, right? He could hit four hundred with twelve home runs, and he still wouldn't have any significant trade value. Yeah, I agree. Because we're talking about a month of stats, and I don't think there are any front offices left that make decisions based off of a month of stats. Who do you think goes down Friday? Oh, Irvin. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah. I, I so, think it, I think it, if they had somebody else who could play shortstop, I think it could have been Peraza. I think it could have been, but I think that with Peraza and Dietrich both being – I think what's most likely to happen is that – Jeanette, Iglesias, Dietrich, and Peraza are all going to probably get about the same amount of playing time. And it's just going to be a mix-and-match kind of thing. Scooter's going to be the default starting second baseman because he can't play anywhere else. But he's going to get days off, you know, when where Dietrich or Peraza is at second and, you know. Or Farmer. Oh, and, yeah, or Farmer. And Kyle Farmer's playing time is going to be really hard. I don't think Kyle Farmer is going to start very many more games for the Reds this year. And, it, and it's fun. I said the other night when, when Peraza started the second game in Anaheim, I would have much rather had Farmer out of second base than Peraza. Oh, I disagree with that. 
I'd much rather, I'd much rather Jose. I mean, talk about young players struggling. I would much rather Jose Peraza. I think but Jose Peraza second my is argument, defensively. My, my um, biggest argument that I, night was you don't reward a guy that plays takes a mental day off with another with a start the next day. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's old school Bill Lack, right? <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, that's we're on we're on Bill's lawn right now. But you know, I think with somebody like Peraza who is a young kid, and frankly, I mean, you know, as much as the Reds have made overtures, has spent pretty much his entire time with the Reds having to look over his shoulder, I think, I think some votes of confidence are, uh, are called for with, with Jose Peraza. So you, 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 you think it's more an arm around the shoulder than a kick in the pants is what's needed? Yeah, I think probably that's the case. Do, do you and, and and Chris Welsh kind of alluded to this on the broadcast the other night that that he thinks part of Peraza's problem this this year has been the fact that he doesn't know where he's going to be playing. Do, do you buy into that? Um, I think to some extent, yeah. I think I think that might be part of the problem. I think it's you know I also think it's a circumstance where you know Peraza. The, I've said this a lot, but the kind of hitter he is, he's going to be up and down. That's just the way it is, and. It seems like every time he goes through a downstretch, you know, as much as the Reds are like, Jose Peraza is the starting whatever, all of a sudden he's not anymore. All of a sudden he's a utility guy. And, it's you, you know, if you're Jose Peraza and you're hearing, well, I am this, I'm, and, you know, you're, you're working on it. I think you can tell. I, I, I don't doubt, I never really doubt, frankly, that the vast majority of major league players or professional baseball players in general are essentially always doing the best that they can do. Like, they're always trying their hardest. I think there are some people, just humans, who press because they have, they're, they're worried, you know, and I think the, that the less people press, the better off they are. And I think Peraza might be somebody who presses to some extent, and I think Peraza might be somebody who benefits from a certainty of, I'm going to be starting at second every day, or I'm going to be starting at short every day, and sure, I'll get a day off now and again, like everybody does, but... I have, you know, the, the freedom to, to assume that this is going to be the case because this team believes in my abilities. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I think I can understand why he would be struggling with, with the current situation that he's in in terms of playing time. If you were pitching to Peraza, would you ever throw him anything close to the plate on the first pitch? Uh, it depends. <laughs> I mean, one of the things about Peraza, and I think this has been noted at times, is that when he gets into a bad funk, is what happens is that he swings at everything. Yep. Well, he loves and, the first pitch. Yeah, but when he's going well, he is still somebody who's almost always going to put the ball in play, but he doesn't swing at everything. He'll swing at balls that are outside the strike zone, but he'll swing at balls outside the strike zone that he feels like he can handle. Um instead of just, you know, throwing his bat at everything that, that comes across the plate. You know, that's the difference between good Peraza and bad Peraza. It's not how long has it been since he's taken a walk. It's how long has it been since he, you know, took a pitch that he felt like he could put the bat on but maybe wouldn't get a good result from. Yeah. Um, you, can see, you can see it in his, his plate approach. It's, it's pretty easy to see when you watch him. Yeah, he, he and Puig are the two guys that I would never throw a first pitch strike to. And I would never throw Puig anything down low on a first pitch. Well, I mean, you know, with Puig, you're talking about a whole different level of danger also. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 
getting back to the whole Jeanette question, we'll see. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't think anybody really does. I know Scooter has a quote on the record saying that he's going to be the everyday second baseman, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Of course, he also, I, I, I would, he also said he was going to sign an extension with the Reds. So, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do you think that Scooter comes back affects Winker's playing time? Uh, I mean, not really. Winker already gets a lot of days off against left-handers, and with the way he's been hitting lately, especially, it's, it's awfully hard to sit him any extra, I feel like. I think it'll still be a circumstance where if there's a left-hander, especially a tough left-hander, Winker gets the day off, but otherwise, if it's a right-handed pitcher, Winker's in the lineup. I could see Winker coming out more in a defensive replacement kind of thing, where if you've got, say, you know, Peraza or whoever on the bench, um, you know, you bring Winker out with when the Reds have a lead late. But I, otherwise, I don't think so, no. And, and this is something that just occurred to me when you are talking about defensive in the outfield. Have you been surprised at how little, how Lorenzen's playing time offense, you know, other than pitching, has, has kind of tailed off after, like, the first month of the season? No, I haven't. And, in fact, I predicted that at the beginning of the year. Really? Mike, what's happening with Michael Lorenzen is exactly what I said would happen. Um, everybody was enamored by the like the batting line last year, but it's just that moment that everybody needed to have to be like, oh, okay, this is a pitcher who can run into it. So now there's an actual scouting report on him. Everybody knows there's an actual scouting report on him. He's not like so he's not he's not a major league hitter. I just I'm sorry. I don't care how good of an athlete you are, you can't just basically not hit against professional pitching for four or five or six years or however long it's been, and then all of a sudden hit major league pitching. It doesn't work that way. When they were just chucking fastballs at him, yeah, okay, he's going to run into them every now and again. But no, the, this notion people had where it's like, oh, Lorenzen is maybe the best option in center field. No, he's not, and he never was. And I don't disagree with you. I think there are times that I think he's better than some of our options off the bench, but I'm not sure about that. But I do think there are times when he's he's a better option than what we've got in the outfield. Defensively, yeah, defensively. probably. He's yeah. De- I mean he's defensively better than than Winker for sure. Um, I don't know, know that he's. I he might be slightly defensively better than Senzel um, right now. Right now, but right. you don't put him in for that reason because Senzel is already pretty good. He's just going to get better as he gets more practice. Yep. Um, and I think Puig is pretty good and right. I don't think I take Puig. I don't think the difference, whatever minor difference you might have in defense, is compensated for. But there's the there's the the hitting differential also. Like, so I don't I don't see Puig losing any time for a defensive replacement. I was looking at Puig on, on Fangraphs earlier. They have him as a minus two defensive war. Yeah, that's just because of the positional adjustment. Oh, okay. That's, he's above average as a right fielder. It's just that right fielders get docked defensively. I think it's like seven and a half runs. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, over the course of a full season. So we're at about three and a half-ish runs right now. Um, so he's been, what, a run and a half above average for a right fielder is, is what that number tells you. Yeah, so he's fine. He's a good right fielder. He's not, you know, he's that's why he's also probably passable in center field. With positional adjustments, people really have to pay attention to it. Um, one of the best examples of um, 
if people are just wondering how big of a dis difference positional adjustments make, go look at Mike Trout's defensive numbers and see if you can pick out the years when he didn't play center field. You can because those are the years when he suddenly is a negative fielder as far as uh, as far as the positional defensive ratings are concerned. Ah, I was not aware yeah. of that. Yeah, it's yeah he's he he shows up as a better defender when he plays center field because center field gets the benefit of a positive positional adjustment and the corner spots get negative positional adjustments. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some work that's going to be done. I, I, I would guess that the positional adjustments in the next year or two, um, as more noise is made about this are going to, are going to really change. Um, we'll, we'll see how much and to what extent, but yeah, I think they're going to change. You have anything else on your list of things we should talk about today? I no, I don't think so. I'm I'm feeling pretty good about things. Hopefully, the Reds will now uh, use this day off and this return home to actually be good at baseball again, like they were when they they teased us with this notion that they might actually get to 500 and then didn't. Yeah, uh, well, and I will say this, and I'm going to knock on wood here as I say it is this season they have played. Very well against the Cubs. Yeah. Um, they've, they've played better baseball at home than they have on the road. So hopefully this next series they'll, they'll be able to put something in, you know, in order and, and turn, this, turn this losing streak around. You know, winning a bunch in a row and, and losing a bunch in a row, at some point we're going to have to admit that maybe that's what this team is. But I hope that they prove us wrong. Well, we got – Let's do some winning a bunch in a row. They got nine games left before the All Star break. We go eight and one, then we could be uh, we could be above five hundred at the All Star break, and that would be awfully nice. I, I would take six and three. Oh, I would take six and three, but, yeah. but you know, I always like to be optimistic. I'm Chad in that sense. Chad and I—that's <laughs> one of the few places where we are sympathetic, and also a reason that he's unnecessary because I can provide all the optimism called for. There you go. So, you, so you're the optimism generator yeah mm -hmm. okay. Chad, chad's nothing without us it's what people <laughs> don't understand he's a, he's just our placeholder yeah yeah exactly he's you know he's a, he's he's just so easily replaceable as everyone has just seen on this <laughs> podcast um and so i guess are we ready to wrap it up then bill i think we should all right then well uh you know for I, I guess to, to do the Chad impersonation. Uh, thank you for joining us for Red Leg Nation Radio number 274. Uh, on, on behalf of Bill Lack and uh, Chad Dotson, who is tied up in Bill's closet, uh, I'm Jason Linden saying good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.